Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Swing. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Badgers can't stop winning. They take care of, since last time we had a, had a show, take care of Ohio State on the road, come home and beat Northwestern. They are now 5-0 and in Big Ten play for the first time in 16 years. And they also now have a two-game lead in the lost column on any and every team else in the Big Ten. There are teams that have uh, are just one less win than Wisconsin, but Badgers have two less losses than everybody else. And obviously there's plenty to get to. With these two games, we're also scheduled to be joined here by Wisconsin assistant Sharif Chambliss. That could be happening at any moment, so uh, we'll cut in whatever we're talking about when when he jumps on as uh, the Badgers get ready to take on Penn State on Tuesday night and uh, trying to get to 6-0, also 6-0 back in that 2007-2008 uh, season as well. But Jesse, I think perhaps the person we have to start with is, uh, is Max Klesman, because Max Klesman had a couple games, 18 second-half points to help Wisconsin come back against Ohio State, and then he goes out and scores 24 against Northwestern, and he has been hot from deep. I believe he's hit eight of his last 10 from beyond the arc. It uh, has been quite the performance from Max. It certainly has, and this is what makes this Wisconsin team so special is truly the scoring can come from six or seven different players. Max has had several games where he might only give you four points, but he's consistently defending the other team's best guard. But you can't forget about the scoring ability. And you look at what he did before he transferred to Wisconsin when he was at Wofford. He had games like this plenty. Now, it's different to step up into the Big Ten and do this, but he's been fully capable of this. And just playing out of his mind offensively. That Northwestern game was a good example. Certainly the second half of Ohio State. He goes 9 for 13 from the field against Northwestern, 5 for 7 from 3, and is offensively the biggest reason why the Badgers are still unbeaten here in Big Ten play. I don't know if you can rely on that every game, but to get that a handful of times, it says a lot about Max and, and what this team is capable of. Which performance did you think was more impressive from him? Because I... I I mean, you could go both of them, right? Like they haven't, they've needed them both, but I, I kind of feel like it's Ohio State on the road because the, the, there were not a lot of shots being hit. It was 56 52, and then he goes on to 10 0 run himself. That is exactly what I was going to say. That's a game, frankly, that the Wisconsin team last year loses. You go seven plus minutes without making a field goal, and the wheels fall off and you completely collapse, but not this team. Uh, it shows a lot about the mental fortitude that they have, but. To have Max playing at that level, it made all the difference in the world because without that run late in the game, Wisconsin does not win. He makes a big-time three from the left wing. Tyler Wall hits him from a post uh, feed, and that gives Wisconsin a 57-56 lead, breaks that seven-plus-minute drought without a made field goal, and it's all Max from there. Scored in a bunch of different ways and basically single-handedly helped Wisconsin squeeze that one out and stay unbeaten. And you could also say it's not just the offense in that game too, right? Um, yes. With with what he was able to do against battle in the second half, only getting one three-point attempt. Now, again, maybe Ohio State should have forced his hand a little bit more or you know, given him some more opportunities. But you look back at the first half, a couple of the shots that he hit were perfectly defended. Perfectly defended. And he still somehow managed to, to, to knock him down. But what you get from Max on both ends of the court, 
even when he's not scoring, he gives you stuff. But I, I know that people get frustrated with that when they when they see his his scoring line and it's not very big, and it's like, well, why is he in the game? Well, he does so much other so many other things on the defensive end that he more than makes up for maybe him not scoring. But when he's scoring like this and still doing the other stuff, it's a very very tough team to beat, especially when you're you know dealing with like a Stephen Crowell who's not a hundred percent healthy at this point. Right. You needed it in those games. And you still have AJ Storr and Tyler Wall scoring in double figures, even if you're not getting the full production out of Steven because he's been battling an injury. Again, I go back to that's what makes this team such a challenge to defend is that you've got those players. Chucky Hepburn certainly can get going. John Blackwell's done it. Nolan Winter in, in stretches. Uh, and Connor Siegen, we know what he's capable of. It just hasn't happened consistently. So it's really challenging for opponents, and you're seeing how hard it is to win in the Big Ten. I think that's another thing that we should take stock of, is even though we're only five games into the Big Ten season, at least for Wisconsin, nobody else even has just one loss. So that that tells you, yes, it speaks to the parity in the league, but also that what Wisconsin is doing this season, while still early, is truly special because of how hard it is to win in this league. And we'll talk a little bit about the Big Ten here coming up as Wisconsin, as I as Jesse just illustrated, and I mentioned in the open, is uh, in a very good spot right now, a quarter of the way through league play. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the end of these last two games because, as you said, it, last year's team who was not horrible, horrible in in like close games. I think they won like thirteen. Uh, I think they went thirteen and eleven and in single digit games, which is just a hell of a lot of single digit games. Yeah. But this one, I don't, you're right. I don't know if last year's team would have done what that team did uh, at Ohio state or even against Northwestern look against Northwestern. It was 63, 63 and Northwestern didn't score again. You get a little AJ store. I don't want to call it a prayer, but um, a difficult shot, a difficult shot. And then you have six free throws, right? You close it out. Eight Oh run to close things out. Against Ohio State, 19-4 to run to close against Ohio State. What's the difference, do you think, from this year from last year? Well, I don't think they win against Northwestern because, remember, the Wildcats actually swept a season series a year ago, which hadn't happened in forever. So, In large part, this, go ahead. And this is a better Northwestern team, but, but go ahead. I was going to say, in large part, due to Wisconsin's free-throw shooting issues uh, in those two games last year, they were certainly um, better on Saturday than they were last year in those two games. I I just wanted to point that out, but go ahead. Sorry. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, there's a certain level of mental toughness that has to go into executing in crunch time. We talk about this sometimes with the football program. You've, you've got to go through it. Then you also have to figure out ways to finish. And this team is doing that. And I think it's interesting because last year you talked about how many close games they've played. I'm not mistaken. I don't believe they've had a game that's been decided by five points or fewer yet. Some of that has to do with when you, the three losses they've had have been uh, a little bit further away from Wisconsin than they would have wanted, but also some of these wins, they're finding ways to pull ahead and stay ahead, and that is just so important as you continue to build your resume and potentially win a Big Ten regular season conference crown. Yeah, again, five games into it at least for Wisconsin, still a lot of time, time to go, but as opposed to last year, and we, we talked about this last week, maybe the week before, as opposed to those, opposed to last year where you got to this point and, or you got to the point last year where they were 14th in the country and feeling obviously very good about themselves. And then Tyler wall gets hurt and, you know, uh, Max Klesman 
misses, uh, you know, is dinged up as well. This team has dealt with, you know, Stephen Crowell injury on the road. That may have been that may have derailed them last year, and it didn't derail them in these last two games. He clearly isn't a hundred percent, which is, I think, a little concerning um, long term. Assuming that the that it's nothing more than just a a bruise, you're a little bit concerned about that. But they would not. You're right. They would not have overcome. I think overcome injuries to key players like they did these last two games that they were unable to do last year. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. The proof is in the pudding. Tyler Wall got hurt, injured his ankle, missed three games. Wisconsin lost all three. Max Klesman got an elbow to the face, needed 16 stitches, missed two games. Well, in those five games, Wisconsin went 0-5, and and obviously the Badgers were never the same from that point forward. After Wisconsin beat Minnesota in early January, the Badgers never won consecutive games the rest of the season, which is really hard to fathom when you consider it was a top 15 team, and that is one of the things that makes this team different. I suppose it's easy for me to sit here and say that when they haven't had two starters just not be able to play for a few weeks. But that is that goes into building as much depth as Greg Gard has been able to do. Now, you have to have the talent and the trust in those players, and that has been a challenge in terms of trying to get the guys at the edge of the rotation enough minutes so they can feel comfortable, but also getting your starters enough minutes that they can feel like they're in a consistent rhythm. That's something that Greg talked to me about, but he seems to be pulling the strings pretty darn well. He does, and they do, and they are, again, 5-0 in Big Ten play. Looking at this schedule, and there have been a lot of people saying, you know, Wisconsin's schedule is easy, and I guess I can kind of see it just based on the fact that they don't go to Illinois and they don't go to Northwestern. But they also didn't get, don't get to play Penn State, Minnesota, and Michigan at home. So I, I don't buy that, and I, I think you look at their, their the strength of schedule to this point and, and going forward – there are going to be some really, really tough games, especially away from Madison. But do you feel like what percentage chance do you give Wisconsin to keep on this track and find a way to win their third conference title, you know, since 2020? Well, there's your confidence level. There are going to be some losses along the way because nope, they're going go 20, 20 and 0. 0. <laughs> just don't go 20 and 0 in the league. But my confidence is extremely high. It's probably higher than whatever the metrics say in terms of how they believe it's going to play out. I think people say in part that this schedule is easy because these teams are not elite level teams. They're not highly ranked teams. The big 10 only had what three ranked teams going into the week. And so that to me is part of it, but Wisconsin is taking advantage of that and playing at such a high level. So, I mean, it's easy to say, Oh, well, it's an easy schedule. Like in a lot of years, it, probably wouldn't be because these teams would be winning a little bit more. So um, that doesn't mean they're easy games. Like it's not going to be easy to go to the barn and beat Minnesota because the Gophers are playing pretty good basketball. And I know Michigan state hasn't been very good, but you, after that, you I mean, you play Minnesota, play Michigan state, then you've got to go to Nebraska. We saw what Nebraska was capable of in beating Purdue and Purdue comes here right after that Nebraska game. So, like, there are some really challenging games still on the schedule. It's just that you say, well, it's easy because there aren't very many ranked opponents. Yeah, so we kind of talked about this on Temple and Heilprin, the the chance for Wisconsin to win the Big Ten. And I, I thought when we did it, when we talked about it uh, on Thursday, it was in the 50s. But um, according to, to T-Rank uh, with our, our guy Bart Torvik, they are 46.9% to win 
a share, at least a share of the title, which is second to Purdue six at 61.4%. Sole uh, percentage chance to win it is 30.2% and uh, a 96.9% chance to be in the top four. Uh, if you're choosing between Purdue and Wisconsin, Jesse, which one do you think has a better chance to win it? Well, <laughs> I have the knowledge that Wisconsin's 5-0 and and Purdue's 4-2, and so I'm going to go with Wisconsin. And the one time that they do play, it's in Madison. I think that game's going to be insane. Uh, well, I'm sorry, I apologize. They play them twice. They close yeah. the regular season at Purdue. So, um, But I still think Wisconsin can get one of those. And even if Wisconsin loses both of those, we've seen that Purdue is capable of losing to anybody too. So I, I, I'm inclined to pick Wisconsin at this point. Yeah, just I mean, just based on what we have seen, based on what we we know about Wisconsin and the way that they're playing right now, I, I just I think that there are a lot of things that can be maintained and continue on. You know, you're not again, Max isn't gonna go five for seven from three every time. He's you know, but the fact that they have somebody else that can step up on any day, any night, any day, like you had AJ Storr go off for what he did in the first half against Ohio State. They kind of held him in check in the second half, and Max steps up. And then against Northwestern, Max kind of goes off in the first half, and obviously hit a hit a big shot late too. But AJ Storr has thirteen of his fourteen in the second half. So there are there are guys that can step up. Tyler Wall, the same thing. You know, being in double figures, I think five or six straight games now. There are so many things I think that are uh, sustainable that it's it's tough to see Wisconsin falling out of this conference race and not at least being there at the end to have a shot to win that game on the road. Now, do you feel would you feel comfortable if the conference was on the line and them going into to uh Mackey? I, no. I probably wouldn't, right? You know, if <laughs> no. that if right, like if that game is on the line or if that game is gonna be a deciding factor for the for the regular season title, I don't feel good about that. But they put themselves in such a good spot that maybe it isn't um, what it's going to come down to. Maybe they are able to at least get a share of it, and they're they're you know before going into that game. I guess we'll see. I, I, maybe we're talking kind of like losers here, but um, you know, oh my God, it's Purdue. Can never win at Purdue. Well, they did a couple years ago. They went Johnny dropped thirty seven. So you just you just never know. But gosh, uh, I don't think you could have imagined a better start for what Wisconsin has done so far at this point. Would you agree? Like this is the, this has been exactly the type of start to the season, to the, the conference that you could have hoped best. You could have hoped if you're great guard. Yes. This is uh, to me, the very best version of what Wisconsin can be. That doesn't mean they won't improve between now and postseason play, but we've talked about this before. You needed certain things to fall into place. You had to go get an athletic wing that could give you something that this team didn't have. Found AJ Store in the portal. Check. You had to get help off the bench. How many conversations have we had in the last several years about the lack of production off the bench? Well, now you've got John Blackwell, who is certainly capable of being a starter, but gives you 18 plus minutes a game, eight and a half points. Connor Seijan's coming off the bench. Nolan Winter's coming off the bench. And hey, if you can get Kamari McGee and Carter Gilmore in there, they give you something positive, even if it's defense or steals. They don't have to score. So you have bench production. Check. And then you had to have your returning players, your key cogs get better. And I think very clearly you can say that about the guys who are in the starting lineup. So to me, yeah, this is the very best ver version of what Wisconsin can be. This is kind of what I thought the team was 
capable of before they played Tennessee, then they went out and lost, which there's no shame in that. Tennessee's a very good team. I think it just it took a little bit for the pieces to come together, but boy, have they come together. So we kind of we talked about this and it was a question. It was I think it was an overreaction or no on whether this is Greg Gard's best team. And or the, the yeah, the, the, his best team, because obviously it's the best team since 2014-15. I put that question out after the game the other day. Is is this going to end up being Greg Gard's best team? And 79.8% of people said yes. And define I, I said you can define best however you want it, but 79.8% to 20.2%. Those numbers surprise you at all? They don't surprise me because, look, we all know there's something to be said for recency bias and they're mm-hmm. coming off the, coming off the high of a win. But also, if you just take a step back and evaluate it, how many teams in his this will be his ninth season? So the first eight teams would you put up against this? And there have been some good ones. The first two ended up going 12 and six in Big Ten play. Both those teams made the Sweet 16. Wisconsin hasn't done that since you had the two teams since then, where Wisconsin earned a share of the regular season league title and Greg was the Big Ten coach of the year. So those are the ones that you would put up against it. And this team, the way they're playing, um, has a chance to win the league outright. And even if they win a share, then you're in the conversation for the best teams. But it'll be decided by what happens potentially in the NCAA tournament. So it's it feels like it has the chance to be. And I think it's worth noting what Greg told the team in the locker room after the win against Northwestern, because we were privy to that conversation since it was posted by the, the basketball program, social media account that he reminded them they're only 25% of the way through. And I think that's probably something he's going to continue to stress. Like you're playing good basketball now, but what you do the rest of January, all of February, a lot of March is going to dictate what's possible in the future. Um, but he also said, he feels like this chance, this group has a chance to be pretty special, and it's hard to argue with that. So, best team, and and some of the responses to the poll kind of said this as well. But best coaching job, because the, the I mean the co- what he was able to do in the first year, right when he takes over, what was a an eight and five team or mm-hmm. a nine and five uh a, a nine and five team that was one and f- that that started one and four in big 10 play and turned it around and as you mentioned went 12 and six that first year and also the 2020 team the 19 the 1920 team right where you have all the stuff that happens off the court and you know Brad Davison suspended the Kobe King stuff uh Michael Potter missing the first half of the season their uh ability to go and then run eight straight like that was a pretty good coaching job again that team if they had had a chance to make the tournament i think this is a conversation we're, we're having about that team versus this team and i, I don't think it's as big of a maybe a slam dunk or an 80 percent as it would be because that that group was pretty good and the 16 17 team was was darn good as well uh make it all the way sweet 16 and, and only being held out of the elite eight because of uh chioza so this one has a chance but if you think about two years ago, that group got all the way into the top ten. I think uh, they got as high as eight, maybe as a little bit, maybe as higher. I was looking at the rankings the other day in terms of um, AP top top twenty five rankings, and I think they they got inside the top ten. So there there have been some really good stretches of basketball uh, since Greg Gard took over, but right now what they're doing and in the way that they're doing it, it certainly stands out. And as you mentioned, certainly recency bias plays into it. But would you say? Best team, but maybe not his best coaching job. 
Yeah. So the best coaching job conversation is an interesting one to me because I will probably always go back to year one. Eight years ago today, this week, we were having this conversation. Wisconsin was sitting at nine and nine overall, one and four in the Big Ten after a loss at Northwestern. And obviously Greg had taken over under tough circumstances because Bo coached the first 12 games. Um, but Greg's coaching for his job. I mean, it's really an open audition for can you earn this job permanently? And what do they do? They turn it around with a, a magical run down the stretch, end up getting to the Sweet 16. It's hard for me not to sit here and say that was the best coaching job because of what was on the line for him personally and also for the future direction of this program. But purely on consistency of results, this one has to be right up there. It's always tough because like, when a guy wins – conference coach of the year well what's that based on is it because the expectations were so low that you exceeded them is it because you met the high expectations and you were the best team in the league the criteria seem to be different every year with, with this team you know they weren't picked to win the big 10 they weren't picked in the top four but i just look at the roster overall and think well the pieces were in place here on the other hand these were a lot of the same pieces that collapsed late last season i do have to give greg a ton of credit though for making the tweaks necessary to maximize the potential of this group. And I know I talked about it last week, but I think it's at least worth and worth bringing up again. And um, the offensive changes to this um, on ball continuity offense, where he was able to utilize the skill set of the players, tweak things just enough to make it them succeed and make it challenging for defenses. That has a lot to do with your coaching acumen and your willingness to adapt and adjust to your personnel. So this is a long-winded way of saying I'm not going to say it's the best job because I think what happened in his first year is at the top, but it's in the conversation, and he just certainly deserves a lot of credit for maximizing their potential. I think some people will look at those 16 and 17 teams and say, yeah, it's a, it's a nice coaching job, but it's also Bo's players. Sure. And I, and with that, I kind of disagree, though, because I think I feel like Greg Card played such a big role in recruiting those teams that they're kind of his guys, too. Yeah, I don't... Look, I don't buy into that. I understand that Bo Ryan was the head coach when all those guys got on board, but you know who wasn't the head coach after 12 games? Bo Ryan. It was it was Greg Gard who had to make the changes, who had to get those players to buy in, especially when it was at a challenging time and the program was in danger of really just falling off a cliff and then going a different direction. So I give him more credit than maybe some give him credit for. But overall, I, I do think, I mean, if we're having the Greg Gard conversation Really, maybe this is on a national level, uh, kind of underrated for what he's been able to do here. And it's tough because you're coming on the heels of everything Bo Ryan did, who, you know, Hall of Fame coach certainly should be in the, the Naismith Hall of Fame. Uh, yep. but, but like Greg is still winning 65 percent of his games, almost 62 percent of his Big Ten games. That is not easy to do. There are not very many Big Ten coaches who can do that. And it's certainly not Bo's players now. You know, you may be selling the vision of what Wisconsin was and has continued to be in part, but this is his blueprint and his stamp on the program. And so he deserves uh, a lot of credit for what he's been able to do. And I, I haven't heard very much from the uh, guard haters of late. Hard to uh, hard to see where those people went. Oh, they'll they'll show back up. Yeah, they'll they show back up. Will. They'll <laughs> show back up when you lose one or two. Uh, so that's. But that's to be expected in any sport that um, has a coach, right? Uh, yes, that <laughs> is sports. This, fire, fire this guy because this guy could do it better after one game. Uh, there was one tweet that stood out in response to the poll, and it was, I personally feel, this is from Nate, he says, I personally feel this team 
that the Badgers have now could very well beat the 2014-15 Decker Kaminsky team. And I feel like mm-hmm. that maybe deserves an overreaction or no. <laughs> and I would have to go overreaction. I am also going to go overreaction. Um, that, I mean, that's, what, I'm what, sorry. What? That's one of the best teams of the decade. Nationally, best teams of the decade. They just happened to play in the same year as two other teams that were one of the two of the best teams of the decade in what Kentucky had and what Duke had. So I put I would put that 14 15 team up against almost any other national champion in you know in the in the 2010s. Like it, it's not even it wouldn't be difficult for me to do at all. Yeah, it's uh it's a fun hypothetical to entertain, but you and I both had a front row seat for that year as well and that's the greatest Wisconsin team I've ever seen and may ever see they had two first round nba draft picks you know the roster but uh i I don't want to take anything away from this year's team and they'll have an opportunity to prove what's possible in the postseason but like that team went 36 and 4 that team beat 38 and 0 kentucky team there's just not much more you can say about that group i mean sam decker and frank kaminsky I, i would i would take those two uh against anybody else's top two all day long and oh by the way you've got Josh Gosser, who was a multi-year all-defensive team guy, Nigel Hayes playing really good basketball, obviously still had Showy, and Duye Dukin was playing well, and Bronson Koenig. Like, <laughs> that was an unbelievable team, and I will take them all day against anyone. It was a very impressive team, as it is. And, uh, but this one certainly has been impressive through the first five games of the Big Ten season, and uh, a guy who's been watching on the bench and having a big role in, in making it happen is assistant coach Sharif Chambliss. He now joins us here on the on the swing. Sharif, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure it's a, a busy busy few days here for you as you guys get ready to take on Penn State tomorrow night. How's it going, fellas? Yeah, I'm actually, excuse me. Actually on the road recruiting right now. <laughs> Never stops, does it? Never stops. Uh, I, so going, they, you guys are going to Penn State. You're very familiar with that school, obviously playing your first three years there. What kind of I guess um, feeling does Penn State have about basketball and has it changed? Can you sense a change from when you were there to now? I think it's definitely gotten better. I mean, um, they've done a great job bringing some guys in there. Uh, Coach Shrewsbury did a really, really good job of, of getting those guys in there and getting them to believe. And I think, you know, basketball's obviously changed a lot with the transfer portal when you're able to bring in older guys and all of a sudden have an older team. Um, they did a great job with that. And, uh, we're, we're excited to go in there and face a Mike Rhodes led team. Um, knowing that they pressed the whole time, you know, they could be dangerous if we don't take care of the ball and, uh, and play our game. We got to make sure we dictate the tempo of this next game. Sharif, there's probably a lot of ways this answer could go, but what do you think have been the biggest reasons this team, this Badgers team is playing as well as it is right now? Uh, definitely. I got to look back to last year. You know, when you're able to retain guys, keep guys around that have been through those struggles. Uh, I think it was a crazy number of, um, games that we had within five points in the last two years before this. And, you know, those guys have been through those and and now they know what we need to do and all the little, knowing that all the little things matter, uh, boxing out on free throws, uh, make sure we take care of the ball. Making sure if we if we have an empty possession, making sure we get into something good the next time down. Um, defensively rotating, uh, whatever it is, making sure we have our matchups right, uh, having our defensive plan and transition. Um, 
you know, having a, a exper very experienced team with only one senior and all the stuff that we went through last year definitely has uh, catapulted us to, to the position that we're in right now. Well, I was going to ask about that. We, we kind of talked about it earlier in the show. The last two games, the way that you guys were able to close those out, and I'm not saying that you wouldn't have been able to do it last year. You did. You, you mentioned how many close games you played. I think you guys went like 13 and 11 in those in those close games. So you won more than you lost. But I think back to Ohio State the other night, and you know you're down 56, 52, hadn't scored a bucket, a field goal in, in quite some time, and then Max does what Max did the other night, right? Again, you guys close on a 19 to four run, and then on Saturday against Northwestern, you close on an 8-0 run, including six from the free throw line, and you're able to. Force four misses at the other end, a couple of steals. Like, wh why? What? What's the difference from from last year to this year? I think the will, the connectivity of this team is is pretty special, and and I think us coaches could see it early. Um, the way the guys talk to each other, the way they pushed each other, the the competitiveness in practice, the competitive level, competitiveness level was crazy in practice early, uh, all the way from the summertime. Uh, but having guys being able to hit big shots like Max and AJ. Uh, but this team is led by Chucky Hepburn. I mean, he sacrificed a lot. And he wants to win. He's been a focused guy this this whole year throughout the summer. The way he's invested in his body and change, changing his body from what he's putting in his body to how he's treating it, how he's resting it, um, and how he's leading this team, man. I, I, it starts with the point guard. And the guys always say it. You can hear him talking on the floor. It starts with two, three. So he, he's done a great job with this team. On the front of talking about Chucky, um, you know, when I was talking to Greg a couple weeks ago, and I've brought this up on the show this week and last week, but he was kind of taking me through some of the offensive changes that you guys have made this season with the the continuity ball screens. Can you kind of quantify what that has done for this group offensively and also for Chucky, who in a lot of those situations has the ball? I think it gives us a direct plan. Um, we know exactly what we're getting into. We're getting a lot of our offense out of that. Um the productivity that we're getting out of it is, is has been great. Um, it, it gives the bigs a plan to roll to the rim, take some pressure off that, and it gets Chucky the ball in the middle where he's able to make a lot of plays and, and see the floor really well. Uh, having guys that are playing up to their level that we expected, uh, guys like Tyler Wall. I mean, Tyler's playing unbelievable. He's not the primary guy, but he's the guy that fits in that role, and he's doing whatever it takes to win. And I think he's playing unbelievably, him and him and Steven. When you look at at Connor, mm. you know, it takes – I think it takes a ton. He he knew that maybe the minutes wouldn't be there as much as they were last year because of A.J. coming in, right? And he understood he understood that. But the way that he's been able to – I just – I don't want to say just keep on going, but making improvements and, and being better in areas that he needs to see the floor from, what does it take mentally for, for a guy to do that? And what have you seen from him and his ability to just to continue plugging away and, and trying and finding a way to get – uh, some more minutes because we know how good of a shooter he can be, especially when he gets hot. You know, it's it's interesting when you when you talk about that because I think about how Tyler had that injury last year and he wasn't the same throughout the rest of the year. And Connor was playing good; he was playing decent up until until he got hurt, and then in practice and everything. And when he gets hurt, his confidence wavered. And to see him have his confidence back and get his confidence and gaining it back as of right now is is a great time for us to have him do it. Uh, but it's it's good to see him flourish. And, and to have that confidence come back, you know, make some shots, fight on defense, get on the ground for a loose ball, took a charge not too long ago. Um, it, it's been great. And, and, you know, we need that as a, as a team, and he needs that as a player. Sharif, you helped 
recruit AJ Store once he entered the transfer portal. Did you know that he was capable of giving you this? And why do you feel it's been as seamless as it has? AJ has been a sponge. He's been great to coach. Um, I think what we explained to him in the recruiting process is, you know, he's what we don't have because we didn't have an athletic wing like that. Obviously, we were pretty good when we had Johnny like that. We didn't really have anybody like that last year. And he's what we didn't have. But we're also what he didn't have, stability, um, accountability. We're going to give you a lot of responsibility. But with that, you know, we're going we're gonna to ask a lot out of you. We're going to be on you. We're going to coach you hard. And uh, I think it's been great both ways. And I, I think he'd say the same. Treat, this is going to be uh, uh, one that we I, – I asked for Twitter questions after every game. And uh, <laughs> a, fan, a fan sent this one in. And I wanted What's to, Twitter? What's Twitter? Oh, heck? excuse me. X, sorry, <laughs> X. Um, what X? We don't read that as coaches. Okay, just... all right, all right, all right. Well, hey, I read it, and then I'll. I'm just going to give it to you. It's not. Okay. It's 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 not. It's not a controversial one. It's just one that I I had. I think may have changed since last year because we we talk about Chucky and some of the stuff that uh, he has. You know, been unselfish and kind of you know bet sacrificed. But the question was, you guys haven't needed it yet. You haven't really played a ton of close games, but. Game on the line. Who is getting the shot? Who's getting the Who's getting the final shot for you guys? I guess it depends who's cooking. I guess we got some guys. <laughs> uh, we got some guys that, that can that can make some tough shots. I mean, obviously Max has made some tough ones. Uh, play well against Marquette. He can have a crazy half. John Blackwell, uh, I think, is is a guy that's not afraid of that moment. I think that Nolan Winters, if you drive in, you kick it out, man. I think everybody on the bench thinks it's going to be good because he's just played so well in practice. Uh, it, it depends. Tyler's done great. It depends in the moment. It depends on the game and the situation, I believe. You mentioned before the competitiveness in practice, and I think when we talked, you, you mentioned that they they go at it pretty hard. What's the line in terms of guys going at it and talking, and how much do you like that when you have a group this experience? I think you need it. You, you got to stir up a little bit of adversity. And if it's if it's talking, if it's physical play, and the and the whistle not being blown in practice, guys need that because we're going to be on the road. We're not going to get those calls. We didn't get a lot of those calls at Ohio State. We just had to play through it. And a, a team that has been um, battle tested like us, like even when we went through the whole NIT, it was we felt it was officiated probably a little differently than uh, than the regular season. But we've been through that battle. We know we we got to control what we can control, and that's what I think this this group is. Uh, believed in and they set their roots in just controlling what they can control and uh, believing in each other. One of your big uh, ads, speaking of being on the road recruiting uh, in your, in your last class in the 23 class was, was Gus Yeldon. And obviously we've seen Nolan winter. We've seen John Blackwell, Gus, I know uh, hasn't been able to get on the floor and it feels like, you know, probably won't this year, but can you give us an update on, on how he is progressing uh, Gus has definitely progressed. Um, he's been playing hard in practice and, and trying to stay out of the way of uh, some things off the court where he's learning. He's just maturing a lot, um, but he's been great. He's been great to coach. When you're in the middle of a season like this and the team is playing this well, is it possible at all as a staff to enjoy this or is it just too challenging because there's a game every three, four days? Right now, I feel like we're in the dog days. We just got to <laughs> know. What's on the schedule next? We got a great guy in uh, Mark Vanderwettering as our chief of staff, making sure we know what's on our teamworks. 
the app that everybody on our team and everybody in our uh, program checks every day, and it it lists things out for the day, which has been pretty good. Um, but it, it's the dog days, you know, one foot in front of the other, making sure we have a good practice, trying to get better every practice, trying to make sure we will prepare everybody's uh, paying attention to all the details and the scouting reports and knowing our personnel and knowing the game plan. And then, uh, you know, let the results be what they may. We're just trying to get better, play our best basketball, trending up toward the end of the season. Last one for you, the Big Ten. There's only three ranked teams right now, but it feels like anybody is beating anybody on any given night. How would you, uh, um, you know, break down the strength of the conference this year, maybe compared to to previous years? I mean, this is the best conference in America. I believe that. That's why I wanted to play in it. Um, coaching in it, I know that the, the teams are prepared more than any other teams. Uh, that's the way I feel about it. I mean, you got a great team in Purdue. They, they've done a great job. But, I mean, you go on the road in the Big Ten and anything can happen. Um, they went down to Nebraska. Nebraska played well, made a lot of shots. I mean, Indiana's sitting at 4-2 and two right now is playing well. Illinois, uh, they can go off on any night. I mean, Minnesota, nobody would pick Minnesota to be playing this one. Minnesota's playing really well. Ben John, Coach Johnson's done a great job up there, uh, and they got that thing going. So at any given night, we know those. We know Coach Izzo's team's not going to end up where they start. So, yeah, I mean, they, they've always done it. They've always played their best basketball toward the end of the season. So, uh, you know, any given night, anybody can do anything. So you got to make sure you're prepared and you're playing at your best. Uh, hopefully that night when the, when the lights are on, the TV cameras are rolling. All right. Hey, Sharif, really appreciate your time, and uh, good luck at Penn State, and we'll catch up down the road. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Go Badgers. All right, there he is. Sharif Chambliss, Wisconsin's assistant coach. Appreciate him jumping on uh, here as uh, things uh, do. I mean, it is dog days, right? I mean, it's it's January 15th. They're a quarter way through the season. It feels like you've been playing. It feels like you've been going for months now, and you still have two more months to go. Uh, but certainly uh, do appreciate him jumping on. All right, uh, we'll, we'll close up the show here with a few more uh, Twitter questions that we got, Jesse. Um, uh, Randall asks, thoughts on uh, Chris Collins' strategy on how to defend EW, and if there's a worry other teams will try that too. What's the specific strategy? Make it really challenging? I mean, the first half was a, a big problem. I, they're just a really sound defensive team, and they made it hard for Wisconsin to try and drive to the basket. And they were in passing lanes and Wisconsin didn't help itself because it made mistakes. I mean, every team's going to try to do that, but very few have been able to do that against the Badgers. Yeah, I mean, look, this kind of goes with uh, something else. One of the other questions Jay asked was that I think this was more on the the offensive side, but he said, uh, great win. Northwestern seems like a team that will drive other teams nuts in the tournament. Seemed like Crowell spent most of the day at three-point line when UW had major size advantages down low. Any insight in why that might have been? Why did Crowell spend time on the three-point line instead of in the perimeter, in the post? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know whether that was a strategic move or we know he's not full strength, and I, I, I don't know what the answer is. We know he can hit the three, um, so I'm not sure I know the answer. Yeah, I mean, it, it, look, he is not a hundred percent and Northwestern has a seven footer, right? So they have, they do have some size, but he's also just not himself and uh, wasn't able to finish a few baskets around the rim or a few, a uh, few shots around the rim and uh, getting pushed around a little bit when he's, when he's not a hundred percent can get pushed around a little bit, but um, I wouldn't expect that to be something that you're going to see on a regular basis. I, I, they are going to continue to work the post with him 
uh, as he gets probably gets healthier. I'm just wondering how long it's going to take him to get healthy. You know, that's like that's I, the big question, because when you're in the middle of a season, you're just not going to take a month off and rest uh, unless it's so severe you can't get back on the court. Yeah. Uh, Kyle says, how important has the screen game off the ball been? And he's seen Crowell and Wall dealing defenders to create open looks for Max and store quite often, and they've had good success on it. Yeah, well, I think it's huge. Uh, huge. Obviously, it's a big part of the offense in general, but when you've got a motion-based offense, you've got to create continuous movement and make it challenging. So even when you are off the ball, the way you cut, the decisions you make change everything. So this is a very veteran savvy team that understands what it needs for success and I, I think it's been huge yeah uh david says brian butch pronounces crawl as if it rhymes with bowl other announcers make it rhyme with howl which is it i've always thought it was stephen Crowell. yeah me too um so i'm not gonna yeah, i'm not answering that one maybe it's maybe it's brian's uh wisconsin accent that does it Could i don't be. know um but I, i've never heard it any i've never heard somebody say other than Crowell, but maybe he uh well maybe he's looked at the pronunciation guide and we're all we've all been doing it wrong for a really long time i don't know joe says would you rather this is a would you rather here jesse would you rather oh boy win the big 10 regular season and know you won't make the sweet 16 or no uw won't win the conference regular season <laughs> but have a 50 50 shot at making the second weekend I feel like this is when you and I debate the football team and what what matters more. Uh, <laughs> I, I know how important a Big Ten regular season crown is. It's a twenty game regular season, like that is most of your year. But come on, I I mean personally, I'd I'd rather finish second, and I I get that you don't get to put a trophy in the trophy case for that, but you get a chance to go to the second weekend and potentially do something more. You're gonna remember that pretty well. Yeah, I mean, this is not, this is not the Rose Bowl, right? I mean, this is not, this is that that the conversation we're having, um, right? <laughs> would you would you rather win the Big Ten and lose the Rose Bowl, or would you rather finish second in the Big Ten and win the Orange Bowl? And obviously, <laughs> in your mind, it's win the Orange Bowl. So, I right? Ah, uh, yeah, I think we've I think we've had that one a, a long time, but in this in this instance. What we're talking about is the opportunity to go compete for a championship, a national championship. Right. I mean, it, yeah. all, if the question is, it opens the door for the possibility, you take that possibility. Based on having Wisconsin winning two Big Ten titles, and obviously the 2020 team didn't have a shot to go into the NCAA tournament, but you've won Big Ten titles and you've won yep. a bunch of them. You haven't been in the Sweet 16 since 2017. So I'm, I'm probably taking the second one. If I, I I know how valuable a Big Ten title is, but if you have no shot, if you're guaranteed not to make it to the to the second week in the tournament, I'd much rather have a shot to make it into the Sweet Sixteen and then potentially more than that. So I I, I feel like it's a I I feel like I'm on your side on this one. Like right. I know how important a Big Ten title is, but I also know how important March success is to the perception of a program and whether it was a successful season or not. And making the Sweet 16, even though you didn't win the Big Ten, is based on where Wisconsin's at and based on how long it's been since they've been there, is more important. So yeah. do we, we agree with that or no? Very much so. All right. That'll do it for the show. Uh, we will be back next week. Certainly appreciate Sharif Chambliss stepping on and or coming on and uh, chatting with us for a little bit. Uh, Jesse? 
Thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Swing.